Good morning. Today in Luke's distinctive gospel, we return to Palm Sunday and recall an event unique to Luke. We'll take a bit of a journey through some scriptures to identify and explore a possible reason for Jesus's extreme reaction as he enters Jerusalem. The city he has been approaching for 10 chapters of Luke's narrative. Now here a quote. On the 8th of the Jewish month of Ab, in late July AD 70, Titus, the Roman Emperor Vespasian's son, who was in command of the four-month siege of Jerusalem, ordered his entire army to prepare to storm the temple at dawn. The next day happened to be the very day on which the Babylonians had destroyed Jerusalem over 500 years before. So begins the prologue of Simon Sebag Montefiore's biography of the city of Jerusalem that is named as part of the city of peace, Salem. We see that highlighted in Hebrews 7 when the writer to the Hebrews is describing the priest Melchizedek. It is a story, the biography of this city, the conquest as a city passed from nation to nation, army to army, religion to religion, such that if you visit Jerusalem today, there are four quarters, a Christian quarter, a Jewish quarter, a Muslim quarter, and an Armenian quarter. It sits on a rock between two valleys. It is where Solomon built his temple. It is where God dwelt amongst his chosen people. It was the only place that God could be approached by the high priest in ancient days, once a year. It was a centre for his chosen people. It was special. Benjamin Disraeli said of Jerusalem, the view of Jerusalem is the history of the world. It is more, it is the history of heaven and earth. Jerusalem was the city of David who chose it to unite the kingdoms. It was the place Jesus now entered to make his final sacrifice and the city in which he would be found again as the resurrected Messiah, through whom victory will be won and eternal life made possible. In the new creation, a new Jerusalem will be a sign of the kingdom of God with living waters flowing in the streets and the crystal sea removed and the tree restored that was violated in the garden. Jerusalem matters. Jesus is greeted by the cheering crowds on this most triumphant of days, and they recognise the significance of the careful staging of the entry of the king. And we have, of course, here gone back in Luke's story to Palm Sunday. The crowds have been proclaiming the one who comes in the name of the Lord, and he is blessed. But the ruling authorities, the religious leaders, complain. They are disturbed. How dare he make such a claim? Tell your followers to be quiet, they say. Jesus responds that even the inanimate objects of creation will lift their voices to proclaim him king. The joyful story turns sour very quickly. We've seen his journey from the east. He travelled through Bethany and Bethpage, 
to the Mount of Olives opposite Jerusalem. Jesus goes down into the valley and now he approaches her gates and he weeps. He had wept before, John tells us in his gospel, that famous line, Jesus wept. But that word in Greek means to shed a tear. This word here means to wail, to cry out in anguish. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jesus feels tremendous pain because Jerusalem, signified by these leaders of the Jews, the chosen people, does not recognise what or who is before their eyes. Their Messiah, their Saviour their God. Ten times he accuses them, you, I tell you, you, even you, the day would bring you peace, days upon you, against you, encircle you, hem you in, dash you, you and the children, because you did not recognise I came to you. These are the words of the wounded and the frustrated. You should have known better. You have a special place. You have failed me and you will see destruction just as your ancestors saw when exiled. Have you heard the phrase hindsight has 2020 vision? It's easy to look back and be critical of Israel. They had their place in the six act play which is God's story, which is told in scripture. And all that follows uh, from here, I give thanks to Chris Wright, whose book, The Mission of God, covers what we cover here. So the first act is creation. The second act is the fall, the rebellion against God. The third act, the promise to Abraham and Abraham and the election of Israel. The fourth act is Jesus. The fifth act, us now, is the church. And the final act, act six, will be the new creation. So what was Israel's mission? Genesis 12 begins the story with Abraham and God's promise. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham was told by God. As Paul shared with the Galatians in chapter 3, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, the non-Jews, by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith. The gospel given to Abraham, then named Abraham, is that all nations will be blessed. Yahweh, the God of Israel, is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And they, the Israelites, were chosen. They were elect. But they were not elect because they were special, but because they were loved and chosen for the purpose of God's mission that all nations should be blessed. God reminded them frequently in the words of Deuteronomy. Understand then that it is not because of your righteousness 
that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess. For you are a stiff-necked people, we read in Deuteronomy 9. Election was not for Israel. Israel was for the world. Their initial call was to be the people of God, as witnesses to preserve the knowledge of the living God, to be not yet to go. That was yet to come. The prophets redirected this call. Isaiah chapter 43 to chapter 55 talks about the servant that would bring salvation to the nations. They were to receive him. They were to serve and receive the suffering servant who would come to take away all the transgressions of mankind and Israel themselves were to serve God. It was in their scriptures. And as we heard last week, the men on the Emmaus Road needed Jesus to open the scriptures to them. Later, Jesus opened the minds of the disciples to understand the scriptures at the end of Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Just because we've read it doesn't mean we've understood it. The Spirit reveals the truth to us through the Holy Scriptures. They, the disciples, were told they were to be witnesses just as Israel was to witness to Yahweh. The final piece of this jigsaw is for Israel was to be distinctive. Leviticus this time, Leviticus 19, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. But Israel was just not just to be holy, to, but to be seen to be holy and distinctive. Deuteronomy 4 this time. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Moses's words here, piecing together the reason for the law given on the mountain in the wilderness to the Israelites, as they were on the verge of entering the God's promised land, this is how to be holy. This is how to be godly. Do this and others will see. God prepared them for such a treasure and a task. On that mountain, before Moses ascended to meet with Yahweh, he was instructed, we see in Exodus 19, you yourself have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, 
then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And Moses did. The ancient priest stood between God and the people. The priestly nation, Israel, stood between the nations and God. They were to bring the nations to Yahweh, who would bless the nations. That was their mission. The priests stood for Israel, and Israel stood for the world. The law was given to show how to live holy lives set apart from God and as witnesses of God to the nations, God's law, not man-made law. The Old Testament scriptures are full of references to the nations seeing what Israel did, witnessing to Israel, good and bad. God's plan is for all nations to be brought into his kingdom grafted into Israel where Zion will be a community of all nations unified under one God and one saviour and they Israel were to receive him who was sent by the father so what now act three is over Israel act four is completed Jesus act five is where we are the church fired by the Holy Spirit taking on that supporting role and it starts with a recurring theme. If we look to Philippians, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue, every knee, every nation. And our part? Well, here are three New Testament scriptures. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Acts 1.8. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And finally, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Peter's words in 1 Peter 2.9 to the church. These are New Testament sayings from our scriptures to the church in Act 5. We have received the baton. So how is that 2020 hindsight? If the church is the new Israel taking on the mantle, how are we doing? Chris Wright summarises his talk into four main areas. Monotheistic. Do we believe in one holy God? We may well be doing okay so far. Election. Are we receiving the gifts of faith? But are we receiving them to bless others? Ethics. Are we obeying his ways to be holy so that we are distinctive to the nations? And finally, eschatological. The end times. Are we pointing to a new heaven and a new earth? A hope that there is no more Greek or Jew slave or free, just one in Christ Jesus. When Jesus turns to those who should receive him now, how are we doing? Will he smile? Will he weep? Or will he even wail for what he has given up that we might live? And whichever honest answer we can give, what are we going to do it about it today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your scriptures that are whole and complete. From Genesis to Revelation. And we thank you for the part that you give us in this six act play. Help us not to look back at those who have tried and failed or not even tried very hard have wandered from the way that you have given them instead to learn from them to recognize our joint humanity with them and to seek your will and your ways and to do your mission in the world to bring the nations to you that they will be blessed. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.